a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Russ, I'm not sure there could be a more beautiful setting than uh, what we have right here with all the fall color. I was just thinking the same thing. How could you ask for a better day than today? Beautiful weather, beautiful temperatures, great people. We're sitting just outside of the National yeah. Ability Center offices here in uh, Park City. And I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but being yeah. a part of their Saluting Our Heroes luncheon. Yeah, and it's our favorite thing to do. We're just thrilled yeah. to be a part of it. You and, and uh, Chris, your wife, have been involved with many, many things that are military-related. We been have. You've yeah. been a part of the uh, Patriot Guard for a long time. Right, still are, and also a big part of Honor Flight back to D.C. Yeah. And uh, it's great to be out of the pandemic and sending veterans back to D.C. again to see their memorials there. Yeah. You know. One of the great things for us to be involved with here at the uh, the luncheon every year is just to partake and, and get a chance to be inspired by yeah. some of the speeches that are given and, and meet some of the people that have been helped by this uh, great organization. And their um, keynote speaker this year was somebody, you know, we had Caitlin on a couple of weeks ago, and I, right. I said, boy, if we could just get 10 <laughs> minutes of his time to talk to him, it would be great. Yeah. And she says, well... <laughs> He's my dad. <laughs> I said, yes, I, I am. I said, perfect. Let yeah, me introduce great. you properly to uh, who our guest is for the next few minutes. Uh, he actually retired after 41 years of military service, served in both Operation Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, accumulating 42 months in combat. In the last four years of his service, he served as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the senior officer in the Armed Forces, and the military advisor to the Secretary of Defense and to the President himself. We're talking about Martin Dempsey, the 18th chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, a name we know well. Yeah. And uh, we're just honored to have you for a few minutes of time here. Well, thanks. I didn't know you knew my name well. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a Joint Chief, uh, you, you try and stay out of the headlines, That's right? exactly right. Yeah. Um, we could talk to you for hours about all that's going on in the world, and luckily today we don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, we did want to talk about uh, the National Ability Center. And because of your service and because of your leadership of uh, great and brave young men and women, You've seen the effects that war can have on on them uh, alongside their brave service and sometimes what they come home to. How did you first get involved with the NAC? Well, I first became aware of it through Caitlin, my mm-hmm. daughter, who's who's the uh, director of development here at the uh, at the center. And, um, I, you know, I, I became immediately um, impressed by the work. I, and I'll tell you exactly why. By the way, back to your point about, you know, the effects of war. It's not just, obviously, the effects of war. I mean, we've we've got, um, as the rest of society does, some real challenges with, um, with mental uh, illness, with um, uh, isolation. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and what, you know, one of the things I learned about, by being in combat is that the way young men and women 
can make it through that environment. I mean, literally make it through whether they get a sh- get, they get shot at or not. Just making it through the pressure of being in harm's way requires you to feel a sense of belonging. That's actually what makes us tick. We in the military develop what I think is probably the the most finely developed sense of belonging in any endeavor, any human endeavor. Yeah. We, we, we have to develop that. And then when you think about it, when men and women separate from the service, they kind of immediately lose that sense of belonging. And then if they're if they're injured or, you know, whether it's a, a visible wound or an invisible wound, um, they they added to that sense of of loss of belonging is a sense of isolation. And what the National Ability Center does is bring them together, um, allow them to find kind of the new normal in their life, but but even in their own personal life. But in my judgment, even more important to develop a sense of belonging, to be around other people who are yeah. struggling with the same thing. So that's why I became hmm. Very interested in the center. Russ, you and I were just talking about that yeah. because we were watching some of the exercises with uh, young people that were going right, on here. Right. And the great need in our society right now of uh, mental health uh, support. Yeah, in all areas. Uh, I know we've talked quite a bit about uh, um, my two grandsons with autism. Yeah. And they, they handle that here. And my, these kids have been here when they lived here. But a uh, um, lot of things like that that, that are treated here um that we enjoy the results i know that ptsd the treatment here is phenomenal and and can i say record-breaking in a way that that they you they, know or or they pace, graduate from this so fast setting, yeah for sure yeah. yeah it's amazing i'm sure you've seen some stories play out of success uh, surrounding the uh, ability center here I have. And, uh, you know, Caitlin has introduced us on occasion to some of the folks that, that come through here and and we've heard their testimonials. We're going to hear one today, I think, as part of, of this event. And um, and it's you know, there's a certain magic to it. Um, and it's really about bringing people together and letting them, you know, the. What the center does most importantly is bring them together. What happens when they get together mm-hmm. is kind of the special sauce, yeah. you know, and um, it is it is uh, exciting to see. So many of the things that we uh, have in our world today through technology are called social this, social that, right. but they're anything but social. Right. They're almost they almost increase size. Social media. I mean, I, you know, here I'm going to sound like my age, but social media <laughs> mostly highlights our differences, not our similarities right. when you think about it. Right. And so these, you know, in-person, you know, person-to-person contact um, events and locations are really important. We talk about uh, tribalism. There's been a lot of conversation about tribalism these days and how, you know, when you get on social media and you like something immediately, then you are flooded with more things that are directly in connection with that same thought yeah. process yeah. same same beliefs and pretty soon you're a part of this clique that you believe everybody in the world thinks the way you do right. uh and one of the things the military uh, does of course is bring people from all backgrounds all races all cultures and makes you fight for a common cause man when will we get back to that well i, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that at the end <laughs> of that comment because i i don't know exactly what i do know is we got to keep at it yeah. um and i i also think you know, what you were talking about is is it's human. Na- Tribalism isn't a bad thing, by the way. I mean, you know, I grew up in an in a, uh, Irish Catholic family in Bayonne, New Jersey, and I was probably five before I knew that everybody in the world was an Irish and Catholic. I mean, and, you know, I, I wasn't scarred by that experience. In fact, in some ways, 
I did feel a sense of belonging that then allowed me to be have an instinct for inclusion later. So the the act of being tribal early on is not a bad thing as long as it doesn't lead to what you described, which I call confirmation bias. If you think that you're the only tribe that matters, then then we've got a problem, especially in a democracy. Yeah. And so um, we do have to make sure we continue to reinforce the goodness of tribalism because it does allow you to feel a sense of belonging, um, but also encourage at every opportunity inclusion. I mean, we just have to do that. Uh, in our walk over to where we're recording today, you mentioned that you're no longer a skier, which means once upon a time you were. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm also a golfer, but once once upon a time I wasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I am even now. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you know that old phrase. I forget who coined it, but you know, gracefully surrender the things of youth. At some point, I have given up on skiing because I've. Two need two uh, artificial needs, but but one of the reasons we moved out here, my wife Dini and I, is we've been walking. Uh, um, it feels like incessantly since we got here. It's one of those places yeah, where yeah. you just feel like you shouldn't get in your car. You should get <laughs> on a bike or or find a a trailhead, and so it's really a healthy feeling. Well, part of me bringing that up was because of uh, the adaptive program that takes place here at Park City, right. again, with the National Ability Center, but it's mountain biking and it's horseback riding and it's skiing. Uh, you're involved somehow yeah. through at least a side channel to the National Basketball Association. Well, more actually, more than a side channel. I, I, um, I became, when I retired, I became an advisor to the NBA and to the commissioner in particular on leader development. Now, f- first of all, I have to tell you, I, I really appreciate Adam Silver's leadership. But then the fact that he would hire someone to advise him both on his leadership, but also, you know, the the teams. You know, I travel for, uh, around from franchise to franchise and we try to get these, you know, super elite athletes to develop a sense of of social responsibility and to develop a sense of leadership, because whether they will acknowledge that they're role models. I mean, they are role models. And so we try to encourage them to be the kind of role models we need. And then from that, I got elected to be the chairman of USA Basketball, which is our national governing body for uh, international competition, starting at, you know, under 16, men and women, five on five, three on three, all the way up through the Olympic program. We just came back from Australia where our women won their fourth consecutive uh, World Cup, which, you know, I, yeah, we shouldn't take it for granted, by the way, because the right. world is it, they're catching up. But I will tell you, in both programs, as the world catches up, we find a way to to keep that competitive edge. Yeah. And importantly, um, we we act, we embrace the idea that if you're wearing USA on your jersey, you're representing everyone. People that agree with you and people that don't agree with you. And we also ensure that these athletes understand it's not just that we win, it's how we win. We want to be respectful, you know, uh, treat the other athletes with dignity. Whether we beat them by 45 or 4, we want to make sure that we're good ambassadors of the sport and of our country. Well, our new look jazz are off to a good start. They actually won last night. <laughs> I saw that. Which nobody yeah. had very high expectations, but it was well, fun to watch. Well, once Donovan left, I think, that, and Rudy Gobert, the expectations changed, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, rebuilding is, is always a transition. But physical activity and uh, involvement and that belonging you talk about for many of uh, soldiers who left that behind, left uh, their basketball, their baseball, their football, but and never thought they were going to do it again this 
program has found a way to get them right. back out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and to introduce them to to the idea that you know maybe they were a basketball player, but now maybe they maybe they can be a mountain biker. You right. know, and and take those instincts for athleticism and turn them to something else. General, your life is an inspiration, and uh, you haven't lost a step. Uh, <laughs> you you could tell that from our walk from the building to this picnic table. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. You're a guy should hide your arms a scout. <laughs> General Martin Dempsey, it's been a pleasure to have you for just a few minutes, and we look forward to uh, what you have to say today at the Saluting Our Heroes Luncheon. Again, our thanks to uh, the National Ability Center. We're going to be uh, talking more about uh, the National Ability Center coming up in just a minute with Tracy Myers, so make sure you stay with us. Here we'll have more of KSL Outdoors Radio in just a minute. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. For two decades. Yeah, just wow. just over 20 years that I have been with the National Ability Center and serving our people, and I'm so grateful for that. This uh, Saluting Our Heroes Luncheon is always a, a highlight, I think, to many uh, uh, people's years. Uh, and this year, you're just wrapping up your fiscal year, so you've got some stats you're going to share with us in just a minute. Yeah. I, I kind of want to revisit a conversation you two were having before we jumped in to record, though, oh. because some of the things you were telling us, um, Rush, you were asking about communication right, systems right. in the out, you know, yeah. in the outdoors yeah. in the backcountry because of Skycall Satellite. Uh, but, Tracy, I don't think either one of us knew about the river rafting yeah. program that you've got. Well, one of our most amazing programs. I might say that about all of them, for the yeah. record. Uh, we have an amazing team down in Moab that runs a full season of rafting trips, overnight trips, day trips, multi-day trips on amazing river sections. Um, we like to say one of the best companies down there and really, you know, bringing the mission to light of dignity and risk and everyone having the right to enjoy all aspects of recreation and What's better in Utah than to go rafting yeah. in Moab? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked in the past and had contact with Rivers of Recovery right. and, and right. heard about the, the impact that those moments of just being isolated, yeah. getting away from uh, electronics. Yes. We were talking with the general about, you know, getting away from the quote unquote social media, mm-hmm. but having uh, these folks have a chance just to share some of what they're dealing with in life. It makes a big difference. It does. It does. And to be able to go out and do it and still kind of have a leash on the world, you know, and have some communications just in case. And usually it's not the people that have the communications that have the problem. It's everybody else, you know. So, yeah, um, Rivers of Recovery was a great project. I'm not sure where they're at now and what they're doing. but We're focused on yeah. military today, but, Russ, yeah. you mentioned uh, in our earlier conversation about your uh, grandsons who are both autistic. Right. You, you have many 
from different walks of life, different ages that participate in activities here. We sure do. So about 30% of who we serve are on the autism spectrum or mm. in the neurodivergent population. And we are running camps specifically uh, for individuals on the spectrum. And really every program is open to that. It's all ages and all abilities. So about 30% of who we serve are our military servicemen and women, 30% on the spectrum, and then everything in between. So it truly is a place for everyone. This event is a fundraiser for you, but other than that, where where do the funds come from to keep things running? Well, our community. It is a big part of being a nonprofit to have a community around us. And so private donors, grants, uh, which is actually a really big part of our military program. We have a very large VA grant to support our, our programs to keep them at little to no cost for our veterans and their family members. Um, and and individual donations, foundations, it's what keeps us going and allows us to say yes to people. A huge barrier to recreation is the sometimes the financial barrier. And so we have a scholarship program, which is, there's no excuse, is what I like to say. We have equipment, we have the people, we have this amazing facility here and in Moab. And we also have the, luckily, because of amazing people that giving, they're giving their money and their time, that we can say, do you need a scholarship to come to our programs? And the answer is yes. So, yeah. And as much as we focus on the individual, it really is about the families. And I know you uh, have brought families up here to be close uh, while people are going through the program. Yes. I think inclusive-based programming is something that we talked about. And General Dempsey talked about that, finding that connection and that relationship. And you certainly find that on a river trip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, all of our programs bring that together, whether it's finding a new skill. Maybe it's seeing someone outside of all the medical treatment and all the other things that are going on and coming and connecting on a bike together or just playing on our playground here that's right behind us, behind our lodge, Um, petting a horse together, being on our archery range. Doing things together is what helps us connect, and and that truly is what uh, makes our program successful. I'm anxious to hear some of these uh, statistics that you've got uh, that are are based on the military side, right? Sure. Yeah, I have all the statistics, but (laughs) I'll keep Keep it to military because certainly it's something to note of. We started back in 1985 and our co-founders, Michi White and, and Pete Betowitz, he was a Vietnam veteran mm-hmm. and a below the knee amputee and military programming has been a part of us since the very beginning. We started with 45 ski lessons that first year for veterans based on a grant. And just this past year, our, all of our ski lessons, over 4,000 ski oh lessons. Oh my gosh. So pretty amazing, yeah. right? But just this, we just wrapped. So um, 1,100 veterans were served this past year and their families um, wow. through our programs, which we're really proud of. And um, and with a lot of key partners, local partners here with the VA and national partners, people coming from across the country to come here for a single day or multi-day retreat to be able to get away and check out all of our, all of our programs. I think Caitlin was telling us uh, when we talked to her uh, a few weeks ago about uh, exciting changes over at the mountain, Park City. Yes, we're so excited. We uh, talk about partnerships. Park City Mountain has been an awesome partner of ours, again, since that very beginning. And we are excited that we have broken ground on a new mountain center. Right. If you don't know, all of those lessons um, on that ski and snowboard side of things have been running from a double-wide trailer, which, yeah. hey, we're thankful for that. We've been yeah. able to make it happen. But we really would like a, a more accessible building uh, to be able to support a more inclusive environment to support our staff, to support our volunteers, our participants, to to run the best programming. And so 
that new building will be a two-story building just under 10,000 square feet uh, to house all of our equipment, which makes it possible, um, and that full team. So we're excited. We we plan to be in that building next year. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we're headed into the ski season. Looking forward to snow this weekend. We are. Actually. <laughs> uh, Matt was telling us this morning from KSL TV that we could have a foot in the mountains uh, on Saturday night, Sunday, and then lingering a little bit into Monday. Be a good start. If yeah. people want information, or maybe they've got somebody in the family that needs the kind of help NAC can provide, where do they go? So it's pretty easy. One, you can just give us a call, right? We just talked about connecting with people. So you can give us a call at 435-649-3991 or check out our website, discovernac.org. All the information. The and the joy as we start to wrap up the program today, I just uh, I couldn't resist adding this to a conversation we're going to have for the next few minutes, and it is among some of my favorite music during the Christmas time. It's the Forgotten Carols, a holiday tradition that has been around for more than three decades of live shows, and I'm happy to have uh, Christy Summerhays with me. Christy, you've had a front row seat to this for 15 years now. What's it been like for you? Uh, it's just been... Uh a gift to my life. You know, it's like every Christmas I get together with some of my absolute favorite people to listen to some of the, you know, most beautiful Christmas music ever written. So who couldn't love that? I, I, I'm right there with you with some of the most beautiful uh, music ever written. Michael McLean has been a part of this for so many years. Uh, his uh, involvement's a little limited, though, because of some health concerns. What's that transition been like for you guys? Um, it's been, you know, a, a labor of love, really, for a lot of us and, and trying to get in there and support Michael the best we can as he goes through his health issues. Um, and it's been, you know, on, on my side, it's been kind of a creative challenge and, uh, and it's been very moving to see how many people have jumped in to help, how many people love this show. Let's talk about the 2022 live tour. It's coming up soon, right? It is. Yes. I think that we start before Thanksgiving this year. I think it's like the November 23rd, right before Thanksgiving up in Idaho. Um, we're returning to some, some towns that we love very much and some that we haven't been to for a while. So it's going to be great. What are some of those cities? Let's see. We're going up to Spokane, Washington. We're going to like, I think four cities in Idaho and we'll cover Utah and, and go down to Arizona as well to Gilbert and Sholo and so we're we're going to hit the road and have a good time. My hometown is Pocatello. I think you guys go there or have in the past, haven't you? We have gone there in the past. This year, I think we're going to some towns that are near Pocatello, but we're not going to Pocatello. So if you're in Pocatello, it won't be hard to, to get to see the, the carols. We're going to Twin Falls, Idaho Falls, Boise, and... Oh, I'm forgetting the other one. I'm not, I don't have a great memory. So, <laughs> But you can just go to ForgottenCarols.com. And it'll have a list of all the cities. I don't want to. I don't want to leave anybody out. Well, and what makes this special, I think, for so many families, at least for mine, is that uh, this, of course, this music is written around the greatest story ever told, and it's where all of our thoughts should be at Christmas time. So it's a perfect place to start. Exactly. You know, it's it doesn't it doesn't shy away from treating Christmas as a re religious holiday for sure. How do people get tickets if they're interested? ForgottenCarols.com. It's easy. You just go there and find the, you know, click on get tickets and find the city you want to go to. And As far as the production goes, is there an effort year in, year out to, to you know, have what everybody expects and yet bring a new twist or a little something new to it? You know, as the director of the show, that's what's been really fun is every year 
Michael and Scott McLean have new ideas for the show and they want to freshen it up every year. So, so exactly what you said, people get the tradition that they love, the music that they love, the story that they love, but there's always something new and interesting and fun to look forward to. Here's what I find interesting. Uh, Usually with these kinds of things, people will go one time and check it off their bucket list, but you have people, and I'm sure you have heard from them, that come back year after year after year. We do. It's amazing. Michael has, and this show has the most amazing fans. They love it. It's become a Christmas tradition. They can bring the whole family uh, when we when we couldn't go on tour or do any kind of live performance in 2020, that's why we decided to film it and put it in as many theaters as possible. I think it was in 70 theaters, movie theaters, so that people could keep their tradition alive because it just isn't Christmas without it for, for many people, and they rely on it. Boy, uh, I'm so glad to know that it's back, too, and I was also... Uh, very happy to hear when uh, we announced last year that the production was going to be in movie theaters. All right, give them the ticket information again and when the first performances are. Uh, go to ForgottenCarols.com to get tickets. The first performance starts right before Thanksgiving and will go through just before Christmas. So, Christy, thank you. Good luck with the production this year. Thank you so much for having me. And whether it be in your world today crowded Bethlehem in find a way two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.